to the one and only Big Ed Boys and You podcast. My name is Derek, and I am your host. My brothers in arms are here as well. Tell the people how you're feeling, Richie and Con. I'm just laughing at you right now because there was literally no excitement in your voice when you were saying this. <laughs> Don't do that, man. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually all right. We're a little early. Just for the the people... I know you guys don't care how the sausage is made, but uh, we decided to do this Sunday morning, bright and early. So Derek's like 6 a.m. So uh, I think it's a little different than uh, a little different than usual. Yeah, this is self-inflicted. This is my fault because I I'm uh, I'm actually snowboarding right now and I wanted to get this done earlier. So I uh, have no one to blame but myself. All worth it though. All worth it. Yeah, it's always worth it to see you guys. Damn, dude. Yeah, right? Jeez. Beautiful face. It's like I rolled out of bed and saw you, man. Or like I'm turned Ooh, next blush. to you in bed right now. Like, <laughs> hey, baby. How you doing? <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's get it. Hopefully, I'm a little bit more excited now. Today, we'll be talking about <laughs> trust. Uh, there's a little spin on the topic, but we'll cover that when we get there. And before that, we have our normal business, which is reviewing our challenge from last week. The challenge was to read 20 pages of a book in one sitting. How'd you guys do? So ashamed of myself. I had all the intention of reading or starting Atomic Habits, and the week just got by, and I did not get to it. So it is on my agenda to get that done this week. So <laughs> failed the challenge. I think this is one of the few ones that I've failed. That's good. If it's one of the few ones you failed, that means you've been doing a good job. Mm-hmm. But... uh. Yeah, I definitely want to get it because I know Richie's been reading that book or listening to that book. So, yeah, I also failed. I read through an entire lease, which is probably like more than twenty pages. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, if uh, if we're really getting to you know to the finer details of our challenge, yeah, I definitely did not read a book, uh, twenty pages of a book or twenty minutes of a book. So, and I know. Connor might be going for that Spartan trifecta, but we just went for that challenge fail trifecta. Yeah, none of us. <laughs> I didn't do it either. Oh my god! My. First time. I don't think that's ever happened with us. Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened. That's all right though. It's okay. <laughs> it's a bit there. I had a, I had a not super shitty week, but I had a shitty end of the week, and I was just busy. And yeah, I don't have those atomic habits to do that stuff. Not yet though. Not yet. Not yet. You're right. All right, cool. Well, um, on to bigger and better things. We will look forward to next this challenge this week. But for now, we will go to our year review. And this week, it's Connor giving us a little spiel about how it's going. Oh, baby. Yeah, it's going pretty good. Uh, January was definitely like testing my self-discipline with the running. Because that's one of my primary goals. Because I do want to complete that trifecta with the Spartan race. And I do want to prep myself for an Ironman in 2022. So just making sure that I'm, you know, getting out and getting the runs going rather than thinking about it and then putting it off. So January was all about creating that habit and being disciplined with that habit. Now when it's coming into February, the habit is stuck. I'm enjoying the runs, but now it's about pacing because in January it was all about, let's just go out and run. And I'd sprint my runs rather than, you know, pace them and try to last a little bit. And when we had Mr. Ion, He's been really starting to get into marathons the past couple of years. And so 
Um, he, you know, shortens his stride up. He makes sure his heart rate is, you know, at a certain degree. And I'm, I'm trying to take some tips from that because I'm not a marathon runner, but once you get to the Ironman, you are a marathon runner. So I have to understand pacing. I have to understand my body. It's been a real excitement coming into February, um, trying to get that going because when I got my big run done this week, it felt really, really good to not try to burn myself out on a run, not try to increase my speed every second I can. So towards the end of February, I'm really looking to extend my runs to maybe a half marathon, getting those 12 mile runs in, but keeping a good pace for myself. I'm excited for the Spartan race in March. Uh, I'm absolutely going to crush it. Uh, considering how good I'm feeling right now, the, the, the running is going to be a, a so simple. And I know these guys are not going to do as well as me, which is kind of exciting to, to have them look at my back the entire time. So that's my primary goal. Second goal I got going on is uh, my certification courses. Now, January was all about you know reading the book and getting myself prepped for February and March, which I tend to complete my entire certification course for my sports performance specialist. And, uh, you know, this week was, it was simple. It was completing the first module, which was a lot of the basic information that is like nutrition and fitness wise. Second module will get more in depth onto the fitness realm. And then the, the further modules get a little bit more complex with programming and stuff like that. So the first week was really easy. Uh, when you, when I checked back in, in March, you'll have a more in depth review of what the actual course is. So you'll have, I'll talk more about that in March. And then my final one was, you know, starting to DJ or starting to mix music a little bit. I haven't dipped my toes too much into the Serato DJ yet, but planning to do that uh, this coming week, along with reading Atomic Habits, because <laughs> uh, I've watched a couple of videos on that. The book has been recommended to me by a few people, and, and Richie's reading it right now, and he's telling us a few things from it, so I'm excited about it and uh, excited to learn something new. Boom. There's my year. Damn. You're crushing it over there. And talking about 12-mile runs makes me terrified. I tell you that. I mean, back last year, if I was telling you I was planning on doing 12-mile runs, 13-mile runs, I, I would joke, I would, I would laugh in your face. But now, I'm not even kidding. That, that last run I had this past week was so, I felt so comfortable and so good that I could have just kept going. And I've never really felt that on a run before, especially a long run like that. Because usually when I'm, you know, on mile seven or eight, I'm exhausted, but I could have kept going. M mentally, I could have kept going. My body's hurting a little bit today. My calves are a little tight, but nothing stretching can't cure. Nice, dude. Uh, that's great. And then I, I was going to ask about that because I know Mr. I told us to kind of not like not slow down, but just like take that pace and really like not push yourself too hard. And I, I mean, I'm doing that in my own right, not not 12 mile runs. I just, I'm doing like less than a mile run to start. So I'm, uh, I'm getting there to the Spartan race, but I feel you on the, the, on the pain. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get into your own head. Well, not sometimes, most of the time you get in your own head because you always think about a time where you were so conditioned or you were so fit that you could have done X, Y, or Z. And you kind of have that mentality when you're going on these runs, but you haven't done this in, you know, let's say a year or two, and you're having that mentality you did when you were training constantly. And so I have to remind myself, you know, I have to progress back to that. I have to get back to that stage. I was, it's going to take a while. I'm not going to get there in one or two runs, but now I'm starting to feel really confident and, and, and controlled in those runs. Good. All right. Well, um, I, I, I don't have any questions or anything further to be, it sounds like you crushed your, your, your goal so far. So 
Yeah, I know Richie doesn't want to say anything because he's just too embarrassed that he's just going to get his ass kicked in that Spartan race. So he's like, <laughs> I don't even know what to say right now. I just, I'm going to sit here and, and, and be sad that I'm not going to beat him. <laughs> yes. I'll just stay quiet the rest of the podcast. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah. I'm going to beat Connor, though. I just, I still have the confidence. Nice. That's all you need sometimes is the confidence. Damn. Bring that BDE. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go to the main topic. I know I would like to wrap up earlier rather than later because I'm again I'm tired. It's early, but today we will be talking about trust. Like I said, so this topic was inspired by an Instagram video I saw from Gary V and Matthew McConaughey came on as a guest. I really like the question that Matthew posed to Gary to start the segment. I want to play it for us. Um, it's very classic Gary V. You're gonna hear him yelling and cursing and doing all the Gary V things he's known for. So just a forewarning, if you don't like cursing in, in loud Gary V's. I got asked this the other day. Where do you lie on trust? You have 100% of my trust until you don't. And I don't think enough of us are looking at the world that way right now. I when agree. Major distrust and major disbelief. And you come I in agree. with zero until you earn it. I hate and that shit. 100%. I hate that shit. I hate that. Who the fuck are you? Why are you so fucking audacious? Who the fuck made you special enough that another human has to earn it? Fuck you. Where's your humility? I'm 100% trust. As a matter of fact, I fight a lot of time. I'm, I need to work on myself to try, like when trust is broken, I'm still trying to come up with empathetic <laughs> scenarios for the other person. Like, I, I would be very bad at baseball. I think I'm seven strikes and you're out. Like one stri- three strikes don't even fucking register for me. And that's something, now what that's done is also created a subconscious resentment sure. that I've had to become as I continue to go through my process. I'm like, oh, right. I think that it's seven strikes and you're out. But what's happening is in, with each strike, there's a little bit of like, you know, fluid going into that bucket of resentment. I might be able to eat it because I'm strong and I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm building it. So I have to be more thoughtful of having candorous conversations with people I care about so I don't get there. So that was a video. Um, I liked it for a lot of different reasons, but I'm curious to start this conversation. Richie and Khan, what do you, what do you guys think of that outright? I think we're in a generation where it's hard to trust and maybe I'm alone on that, but I see a lot of people that have a hard time trusting others to get other things done. So in terms of like tedious tasks and stuff, I think a lot of people are independent and say, Oh, I want to do it because I know it'll get done. And I've been in that environment. I know a lot of people that are in that environment that just want to just do it themselves because they trust themselves. They don't trust somebody else. But I really liked how he used resentment, and trust in the same category because you know you break trust a lot you do develop this resentment for that person and with Gary V he is you know running his own businesses and he's doing that stuff so you do have to lay trust into said employees but there is that little bucket of resentment that says ah oh, i have to go back to this especially if it is the fifth strikeout but I, I think it's a it's an interesting topic to talk about because trust is so so important to have especially if you want to start your own adventure or you want to start a business with somebody, you have to have that faith. You have to have that trust in somebody to go through. And I'm curious on Richie's point of view, because I know he's, he's on his road to, to starting a business, but he's kind of doing it independently right now. But how would you, how do you see trust in the, in the business realm as you start to venture in towards that? First, I think you captured it perfectly. Like 
I don't even know what to add to, to specifically like what you had there. I mean, I think you captured that video really, really well. Um, yeah, I think when we're talking about business and, and different things like that, I, you as an entrepreneur or you as a creative or you as a whatever you are, uh, if you want to create your own business, I, I believe, you know, you have to rely on other people to help you. Um, you're not going to be good at everything. And therefore, you inherently need to trust people. You have to. I mean, like you might be this creative mastermind, but you still might need a CFO. Like you might not know how to run a business. You know, and you might not know how to deal with the finances and the accounting and whatever else. And those are really, really important. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think you like inherently need to trust people. And I think it's tough because we live in the day and age where... I think you inherently don't trust people. Inherently just don't. Big time. I, I think the, the business question is, is very interesting because trust, completely trusting someone is such a vulnerable thing. Like I, there are very few people that I like completely, completely trust. And it's because even though I think the opposite, it is because they kind of earned it. And I know that they, they, they they're not going to misplace my trust, but it's, it's such a vulnerable place. And in a business, you need to be able to trust people to do the right thing. Right. You have a mission and you have a vision. You can't you can't be over the shoulder like the entire time having them implement that mission and vision. You need to know that they believe in it too and believe in it the same way that you do, which is tough because everything is so subjective between people and you, you can't enforce anything like that. It's been interesting uh, managing my studio, my fitness studio, because pre-COVID we had, you know, we were always trying to find new instructors and new employees because the turnaround rate in a fitness studio is is decently high. You know, you have part-timers, you have full-timers. And, you know, that was one of my first times ever hiring people or going through the interview process as the opposite side. And, um, you know, we recycled through a few part-timers. And the first couple times, like, you had all the trust from me, <laughs> you know. Oh, go, I trust you. You've done this a couple times. I've seen you do it. Go ahead and do it. And as soon as they, you know, venture out on their own, they, they develop their own nerves. They develop their own sense of insecurity and they don't do the things correctly. And over time you start to develop this, not resentment in a sense, but for me, it was almost, how can I, how can I avoid this situation later? And I found myself not putting all of my trust into that basket right away it was almost like they were getting little dips of trust. You know, oh, you you succeeded here? Okay, let me give you this little piece. Oh, you succeeded here? Let me give you this little piece. And it was like little pieces here and there rather than like my first couple hires where it was like, here's everything. Like, I trust you, go and do this because, you know, they interviewed pretty pretty well and I found that I had a lot of confidence in what they were doing. And that was quickly turned around <laughs> really fast. So just in my own success, in my own, life, I've had to deal with a lot of trust in my own business setting. And it's been a big learning experience and a big learning curve for me because, you know, this is my first time managing a studio and being 26, it's, it's kind of quite the experience. And it's been, it's been fun to see that stuff, but also interesting to see how, how much trust I give out in the very beginning, but also spacing that trust out. So, it's I think that's really, really interesting because you said that in the beginning, you gave up pretty much 100% of your trust, right? Mm -hmm. 
and then after that you kind of went in segments did it was it like kind of you're just like giving them a little bit of trust at a time so it wasn't like it wasn't was it like they earned it to be on the nose i don't know if it was more of an earn i guess in a sense yes you can say it was earned in my mind but it's it's very it's it's tough to comprehend now that i'm like really trying to think about it because in the, like the first couple hires, it was like, okay, here's your morning shift, go ahead. And I wouldn't go on the morning shift with them. You know, I just had the faith that, you know, as a as somebody who was very deliberate in a lot of the things they did in soccer and just in life, you know, if you weren't early, you were late. And I always applied that concept throughout my entire life. And now that was getting to the work setting, and I was dealing with, you know, the the common person, the general population who were just looking for jobs. You don't actually find that people have the same mentality as you. So if I was having somebody open and I wasn't there with them, they'd show up a little late, they'd do this, they'd miss a couple things. And so I found myself to go and open with them, make sure they had that all down, and then they would go open by themselves. So it was almost like I needed to visually see that, that they could handle it rather than just thinking they can handle it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like they they earned it, but it was more that like you you were comfortable that they they at least knew what they were doing. Yeah, and I'm sure there's different ways to handle those situations, but for the first time doing it, I think that was the, the easiest way for me to fully trust in their capabilities to be able to do certain things. Gotcha, that makes sense. So I, I want to continue that path, and I, I want to make sure we answer the question that's posed in the in the video, which is should trust be earned. And I want to hear I want to hear Richie's thoughts first. If you think trust should be earned, it's a tough question. I don't think you can give the keys to the kingdom to somebody straight away. You know what I mean? Like Connor, when you have this guy come in or this person come in to work, you know, you you trust them, but you only trust them to an extent. You know, like it's not the entirety of it. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I, I do think at some level, trust is earned. I think you has to be. You're not going to tell somebody you don't know, you know, your deepest, darkest secrets. You know, that trust, that bond, that friendship needs to be built and earned. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I definitely think trust needs to be earned. But I don't know, uh, you know, what that criteria is for it being earned. I think that, you know, differs by person. Yeah. Big time, um, Connor. Do you want to you take a crack at this one? Give it a little bit of a high-level answer. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think trust is earned over time. I think when I was doing it in the first couple times, the first couple hires that I had, it was I had so much on my plate. I was so excited that somebody was here to help me take some of my load off, and that's where the trust was like, "Yes, take this away from me, so I don't have to deal with this anymore." And I was so comfortable with that. I knew so much about it that it was easy for me to give away because I was like, oh, they can handle that. I know the type of person they are, but they might not actually know what to do. And that's when people have a hard time saying they don't know something and they end up doing it themselves and doing it wrong. And then maybe a little bit of resentment you put into that little resentment box, but you still trust them that they can do something. So yes, I, I do in a sense think trust is earned, but I think an appropriate setting, like if I'm just, you know, shooting the shit with somebody, of course you have my trust, especially if it's a new friend or you really trust. Like, that's where I get into that, like, friendship mode, that relationship mode. Like, I think when you're talking on a more personal level, you don't have to earn trust 
but I think trust can be taken away very quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. It, this is this is really interesting because I I came in. So my answer for this question is definitely I don't think trust should be earned. Um, but after talking to you guys in, on this podcast, it's definitely a lot more gray in my head and like not sure where it should land. Because on a previous podcast, and I still believe this, I said like sh- take shit out of your vocabulary. I don't think that we should even use that word. But yeah, I, so I think the problem with the fundamental idea of trust being earned is that it kind of inherently creates like a negative framework for your life. Like if you, if you go through and you think that like I, that, that person over there needs to earn my trust. I think Gary was touching on a good point of like entitlement of like, like I'm the salt of the earth. I, you need to earn my respect and my trust. That, that is a terrible life. Right. And I not like, I don't know. I'm trying to like the older generation. I feel like learning from my, like my mom and like parents, I, I feel like it was kind of ingrained in me that trust should be earned. But I realized that was nuanced because I lost her trust in many cases. And because the relationship was still there, I had to earn that back. But in the real world, I don't think trust should be earned. Like when you first meet someone, you should give them the benefit of the doubt. You're not going to be meeting terrible people out there. But I do think that Connor and Richie touch touch on good points. Maybe don't give them 100% of your trust. Maybe give them the trust that they deserve, which is a decent human being. You know? Couldn't have said it better myself right there at the end. I completely agree with the, you know, giving them that initial trust. But I do, in a sense, especially in a business setting, there are, I mean, that's how promotions work, right? You, you trust that person enough to, to carry on a, a bigger load and a bigger load and a bigger load to the point where you feel confident enough to have them do X, Y, or Z. And you don't have to worry about that. And that's that promotion. That's that trust. But there's that initial trust that you have to give to somebody so they feel confident enough to do those actions. If you're not allow not allowing them to do anything, then you really need to make sure that you're not feeling entitled to your own to your own self. No doubt, I agree completely with that. I'm glad we're all on the same page with this because I do think that this entire topic is such a like such a gray area. Um, but I I do want to touch on two last things before we head out, um, which is. We were going down that path before with the business, but I want to say talk about specifically building trust in a professional environment. Instead of like trust with, um, I don't know, like like entrepreneurship and building your own business. A lot of people work, you know, corporate jobs, like regular desk jobs, and like how do you build trust in that environment? Because everyone has their differing opinions and like differing goals. Because most people that work a corporate job, they're not there to fulfill the mission of the company. They're there to get a paycheck and support their family, support their friends, etc. So how do you build trust in that environment? This is a tough one. You're right. When you're at a large company, that's not a startup. Like, not everybody's on the same page. Not everybody's there for the same reasons. And that does make trust and communication, for that matter, extremely difficult. When you're at a startup or you're at a smaller company, the incentive is like we all have, you know, we all own some piece of this company to some extent, and therefore this company exceeding, succeeding, um, you know, I win, you win, everybody wins, and, and that's our goal, that's our mission. Like let's succeed, right? And in a very, very, very large company or a corporate company, I, I definitely think like not everybody's there for the same reasons. And therefore, trust is even harder because you might be there for that mission. You might be there, like your entire goal is this, 
you know, mission that you might have at this company. Um, but this other person might just be there to, you know, get paid, support their family. That's their, that's their version of success. Right. Um, and, and, and because, because of these altering differences, it makes it difficult to trust people because you, you don't know what their true incentive is and, or goals are. And that, that makes trust really, really difficult at large corporations, I think. Interesting. I've never been in that setting, so I don't really know the correct answer to that because I've, I've only worked in a small business setting. But how do you start to develop trust with somebody? Like, let's say you're sitting next to somebody in a cubicle and their goal is just to come and get that paycheck. Are you immediately not going to trust that person because their incentives are not the same as yours? Or do you kind of develop a sense of trust with them because of something else? Yeah, this is a really good question. And this is many flashbacks to days at Red Hat and many different clients. Um, hmm. It, so this is going to sound very cynical, but that's okay because I'm a slightly cynical person. Uh, it... When people, if you can tell someone is there just for the paycheck, I don't think you should hold it, hold it against them. I don't think that's an inherently bad thing. I think that's very, I wouldn't say noble. I don't, I think noble doesn't capture it, but I think it's a very worthy thing to do for your life, to support your family and just, you know, maintain your social circle. But mm -hmm. if you are dealing with someone like that in the workplace, you need to understand that. You need to make sure you're not giving them like tasks that are huge in complexity because they are not going to fulfill them to the needs that you that you need to set out for yourself. Um, break those tasks down. Give them things that are manageable for their time and their their environment. You know, because you get them for eight hours a day, maybe. Because if you're just trying to support your family, you're probably trying to skate through your eight hours a day, make it more like four to six, and then the other remaining hours, check your emails, plan your trips, do your stuff. And again, I think that's fine. I think a lot of people, if you're supporting your family, that's well and good. But know that you need to you have a job to perform and if you want the level of trust that you were given, you need to perform that way. Yeah. I think everybody's inherently like a large corporation. I inherently trust you and, and you might be there, you know, just for the check and, and that's fine. I, I don't think that means you're bad at your job. I don't think that means, you know, a lot of things. I don't, I, I think that you're still there. You're still trying to put in an effort. You're still trying to get after it. You're just there for eight hours a day. Like, and that's it. And and that's fine. Like I, I would, um, but I inherently tr do trust everybody in my company. Like I, I, I go in with the benefit of the doubt. Like you, you're from this specific, you know, area, security or engineering or whatever. Like I inherently trust you that you know what you're doing and, you know, until I'm proven otherwise. For companies, like this is me being a little bit theoretical, but shouldn't the trust already be placed after you got hired, like, isn't the hiring process where you are like building and like proving that trust? Mm -hmm. And given that, I feel like when you're working for them, you should try to maintain that level of professionalism, that maintain that level that you presented yourself at. Because I know I do it. I'm not good at this, but I knew I like for the interview, I'm like, I am so amazing. And then when the job comes, I'm like, okay, I can kind of coast out a little bit. But I feel like people, you, you should try to maintain that level that you present yourself at. I would 100% agree with that. I mean, people go through the hiring process because of the job that they want. And yeah, they might, you know, sit into that complacency setting, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't trust them that they can do the work that they were hired to do. And it might not be to the level that you want, right? But that's not your, you shouldn't dictate that. 
you shouldn't be upset that they're not working as hard as you because they don't want to, you know, they, they are here for the paycheck. And I don't think that's a cynical thing at all. I think that's just understanding your environment and understanding the people that you work with. And I love that you said, you know, if you're in a project and you've got four or five other employees with you, but you're all working and you're all on the same level, it's distributing the work to the appropriate people that you know will get things done. And that's trusting the team and the environment around you. And you're not going to give the most difficult thing to the person that you know is the laziest person on the team. That just doesn't make sense. But you're also not going to give them anything because that's not fair to the rest of the team. So I, I, I always think there should be always that, that, tr- that level of trust in that very basic setting. And when you get to that next level, then you start to work with a much larger group of people that you trust. Nice. Well, there's one last point I want to cover, which I think is an, another big one and um, pretty tough to answer. But I want to talk about trust within our social circles. I think uh, trust with your friends and people who are generally not like not required by any means in your life. Like there's no like with with your work, you have to inter- interface with these people with your social circles is because you want to be there, which is tough because where do you like draw the line for certain things and where do you like have fun with them, but at the same time, keep your morals and values in line. It's a, it's a very, even more gray area than we've already been talking about. So um, if there is a question out of this, the question I, I would like to be is how do you kind of draw that line with your friends when something's going wrong? Like they say something that you don't agree with. Interesting. Interesting. You say things I don't agree with every day. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still on here. He's still on here chatting with you. Yeah, we're still best friends. I love you, dude. Love you too. <laughs> I, it's kind of tough. I mean, I don't really know a good answer for this, but you just instinctly trust that person and you've been around. I mean, we've been friends for almost 15 years, it feels like, maybe even longer than that. And nothing will break my trust with you guys, hopefully. <laughs> you just made it seem like we're really old. We are. We are. Dude. We're yeah, getting there. Right. Technically, no, but we are getting pretty damn old. <laughs> We're not high schoolers anymore, buddy. I mean, my hangover makes me feel a little like I'm old, but yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, most of the people that are in our social circle these days are, you're right, we're old. So we're not meeting people like every single freaking day. Like mm-hmm. the only people that we do meet, the new people that we do meet are like friends of a friend. Like that's that's just how you meet people now. Like it's, I know this person, this person brought one of their friends. It's not like they met that person off of the street or at school or whatever, because none of us are meeting people or interacting with new people that often. Um, the only people we're interacting with are people at our job or whatever. Like, you know, you might go to the gym and maybe you interacted with them there or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, at this point, like, I think your social circles, like inherently, like when new people join your social circles or if you already have friends, like you have this certain level of trust. If it's a new person, I think you give them the benefit of the doubt. Again, like they're a friend of a friend or whatever, like you already have some level of trust. Uh, and then on the back end, like with your other friends, like the friends you've already known, like you already know what level of trust you have with them. You don't need to be like, you know, if you, if you think this person's lazy or this person's, you know, this or that, like, you know, then you already know at what level to have trust with them. Um, so yeah, I don't think, I think with like new people, you inherently trust them. Not obviously you're not going to spill your entire secrets to them, but you know, there's some level of trust there. Yeah, no doubt. I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think you're spot on. The only thing I would add um, to this whole conversation right now is your social circle, your social circles 
kind of represent who you are and at least who you were in the past. So even if something goes wrong and like trust was misplaced, they, they still are fundamentally a part of your life, even if you don't talk to them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Like they they represent who you are, you know, and it's hard to just like cut that out if they if they did something wrong. But I, I do think that if someone does something to like disrupt your trust, you, you should do something about it. You shouldn't just accept it and just be like, all right, they're my friend. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's Brandon, it's, it's Bob, you know, that's just who he is. I think that's terrible. I I've always hated when people said that as an excuse, that's the, like the worst excuse you could ever do. You're literally giving someone free leeway to do something because that's their name. I, I don't get it. It just, it's terrible. And I hate it. Um, if you say something at the very least, if not, you know, like go do your own thing. I, I've, I've had multiple friends where I, I needed to go do my own thing and it's, it's worked out and one way or the other led to this podcast and it's been, it's been great. You know, good things happen if you, if you follow and trust your morals. So trust yourself. Ooh, trust yourself. Trust yourself. I, on that note though, uh, do you inherently trust people in your relationship? Do you inherently trust Jill or is there some earned? No, I don't trust, trust Jill. I don't know her that well. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'll let her know that. I think. I mean, it's not like the relationship just started once we met each other. True. So I, I think over time you learn to trust each other, and then that develops into a a bigger bond, and then you really rely on each other rather than trust each other. So I I, I don't know. I mean, it's not interesting question to ask because i don't think anybody's going to really like if you're going to meet some random person off the street you're not going to really trust them and i think that goes on to the the inner circle trust like if my if let's like say like i go to new york i meet your friends i'm going to trust them because i trust you like same with you derek if i go to san francisco and i'm going to hang out with your friends like i'm ultimately going to trust them and they're not going to be assholes to me and if they are i'm going to bring it up to you not them because i trust you the most so i i think where you're aiming at is trust earned in a relationship. I think over time you develop that trust and that bond just like you do with any type of friendship. I think that's right. When I think about relationships in the terms of like romantic relationships, I do think this person is, you know, at some level your best friend. Right. And so yep. it starts out as like, yeah, I don't really trust you. I trust you. I just, you know, don't know, don't you know that well, but like, I don't know how much trust to give you yet. I'm not saying it's a hundred because like, I'm not going to tell you everything. Like first, I'll probably scare you away uh, on that first date or whatever, you know? Um, but you know, at some point, like you're going to know everything and you're going to understand how freaking weird I am. Like that's just, that's just how it goes. Um, but you know, that's just not going to happen overnight. I think it's just like, it, it develops like you're saying. Yeah, I think there's a level of vulnerability that comes with coming into a relationship. Are you able to give that trust out? Like, are you willing to give some information out that you feel vulnerable about? And are you willing to trust them with that information? I think that's that next level in that relationship. And then it goes into that bond and then it goes into that best friend because you guys are telling each other things that you only tell your close friends. And that's how you create that that special bond in that relationship. And that's how Jill found out that you're really weird. Probably. Everybody's weird in their own way. Thanks for pointing it out. Yeah, you weirdo. <laughs> That's why we're all best friends, just because we're really <laughs> fucking weird. Yeah.
Nice. Well, all right. Well, I, I think we should close out. Um, I need to get going anyways. Uh, this has been a very awesome talk. I'm like, it's actually been very insightful in the romantic relationships part. I really want to say stuff, but I don't want to put that out there for the world since I'm single, you know, like I don't want, I don't want people to, to know my thoughts on that just yet. You hear, you, you hear that ladies? He's single. <laughs> hubba, hubba. Nice. Well, um, so let's do our challenge. I want to give us a, a low hanging fruit because we, we need it after our, our failed trifecta. The one I want to give is walk around the block with or without your significant other. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you pointed out because I was really uh, I was really hoping that Jill would do it with me, but now that I know she doesn't have to, I'm, uh, I'm on it. I'm, I'm walking around the block, baby. Uh, when you walk around the block, can you listen to music? Like, What's the deal here? Just, just I'm walk. gonna I'm gonna say no because I would walk. default to music, so I'm gonna say no music. Ooh. And why are we doing this? Why are we walking around the block? Any particular reason? Just to get outside. Um, I just I, I feel like a lot of our challenges tend to be they definitely be like self improvement, self growth, and like push yourself. Sometimes it's it's nice to take a little break, you know. And I think walking is a very underrated activity, and it help helps clear the head. Nice. Yeah, I'm with it. chirp. Yeah. Wind blow. Yeah, don't walk. Don't walk fast. Take a nice casual stroll around the block. Be patient with oh, the walk. Little throwback to last week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't know if I can trust Mother Nature right now for this walk because it is fucking so much snow right now. It's crazy. <laughs> Emphasize I that. I want to give a little foreshadow since we're doing these uh, these themes, and you should you should love yourself while you're doing this walk. Mm-hmm. Self compassion. Mm-hmm. We, we got a good episode next week. I'm excited for it. Some new insight I think you guys are going to really love. Definitely. Special guest may or may not be going on. Heads up. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'll, I'll have more energy next time, Richie. Don't worry. Yeah, they won't be hungover either. I'm not... What? I'm not hungover. I don't know what you're talking oh, you're right. about. You're right, you're right, you're right. My, bad. My voice My bad. is always like this when I'm sober. Yeah, let's get out of here. Let's go eat the wheat for the week. Yeah. Eat those baguettes on Mondays, kids. Let's get that bread. Peace out. Sorry, let me put my baguette down. I didn't realize you podcasters were still listening. Well, since you are, why not head over to our Instagram page at the underscore baguette underscore boys and DM us. Let us know how all the challenges are going. And why not let us know how your yearly, maybe monthly, or even weekly goals are going. We'd love to interact with you guys and get new perspective to see how we can better ourselves and maybe even better you. Catch you guys next Monday. Peace out.